As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I'm your host, Josh G. And today we are celebrating Pride Month, so, well, we have a member of that community, so let's welcome Krista to the show. <laughs> yes, because I represent the entire community. Thank you, Josh. I said and a as, member. A and, member. And as someone who represents the community, we appreciate your allyship. <laughs> a member of the council. <laughs> Here, here, council. Here, here. And the guy who, guy who chose the movie for this poll that won for our Pride Month, please welcome Chad. Hi. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Send the applause. Yes. Yeah, because as we said on the last episode, I'm pretty sure this is the film that single-handedly won the poll, and not so mm-hmm. much the road. Although it was an interesting thing to look at, so that that's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely. When you compare both movies, oh man, it's it's a completely, totally difference of worlds to discuss. Yep, and Chad, I remember you saying when you picked it that it turns out this kind of works as both, and you're right. This works as Father's Day and Pride Month pick. Mm-hmm. And we're going back to 1996. I'm going to talk about The Birdcage. Do-do-do. Our brother, actually, we are family. So just take us into South Beach, Florida, or a.k.a. Miami. <laughs> right. Where but, Chad, what, what made you pick the birdcage, Chad? Let's start with that. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was uh, it was just one of those things that I wasn't sure if we were going to do two movies or not. So I thought, well, I'll just pick something that has both elements in it of you know father and son relationship or father and child and is also you know something that uh you know i would say is generally positive um you know as far as an lgbt plus uh film so yeah that's the reason and it's also just a funny hilarious movie that's stuck with me over the years so i remember seeing it when I was a kid, I don't think I went to the theaters yet. I don't know Chris saw it in the theaters, um, yeah. but I, I saw it when Chris bought it on VHS when it came out, um, <clears throat> and it was just hilarious. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, and as, as we talked about, this would be my first viewing, so I caught it last weekend for what? the first time. So I'm surprised what? it is the first time you've seen it. I would have thought know. you would have watched it with us at some point along the line. You know, I remember you having it on VHS, but no, I... I I, for some, I remember you having this. I remember you having Tu Wong Fu. I never, never watched that. The only one I ever really watched, first was your pick, which was Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, so. that's the only one I can remember I think you actually watched. And many years ago, though, so. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. absolutely. Well, not to mention, Chris also had, um, well, uh, well, our uncle had sent us, um, I think it was Tu Wong Fu. No, maybe it was Priscilla. I can't remember. He sent us two movies. He sent us. Priscilla, I think, and the other one was Philadelphia with Tom Hanks in it. Um, yeah, I remember so those. That was like another really being... big, important film. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, if you if you haven't seen Philadelphia, you should watch it. It's been a long time, but yeah, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I almost went with that. I it was on the short list. 
Yeah, actually, I, I had uh, toyed with that one, too. But at the last minute, I thought, well, you know, I've got the road, which is kind of depressing. And I didn't want to follow that, uh, that yeah. up with... Uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, that's what I was going to say. Oh, my God. Another opera of a film. So I decided to kind of do the opposite and, um, you know, do something really... Had lots of laughs and was lighthearted. So, Chris, I know I want to ask you this. You yeah. picked Priscilla. Had Chad not picked the birdcage, would you have picked the birdcage, or were you going Priscilla the whole time? No, I was going with Priscilla the whole time because you know what? I wasn't really thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, of the birdcage right then and there because I had nine months as my other pick, and that had Robin Williams in it. So, I just figure, you know, two big comedies, you know, this should prove to be uh, a pretty big <laughs> maybe hit with the listeners and stuff. But I do think the birdcage definitely is what got a lot of people interested. And you can see that even with um, the moment we announced it on the poll, I think got mm-hmm. a lot of response. And even after that, up to now, you know, when we we're sitting there telling people to give us their thoughts for tonight. A lot of people responded. So absolutely the birdcage i think has proven to be a classic through these years now so uh, there's no re- uh, best casting ever too for yeah, a the movie casting like this. this movie is amazing and th- the thing is like for me i will say i remember seeing this one in the theaters i remember um actually mom was the one who because i had never even heard of it leading into it so it wasn't anything that i was just like hey let's go see the birdcage or anything mom wanted to go see a movie and she was like, hey, let's go see this movie called The Birdcage. I had no idea what it was about. I had no idea who was in it. And so, you know, when the movie played and all that stuff and we <laughs> made it through, like, I was just stunned. To me, it was pretty revelatory, especially for a young kid like me who knew I was different. But seeing that, you know, there was this gay couple in there who are also older but they end up also raising a kid and you just didn't see that really back then in movie like it's it's today is completely different than back then and you could definitely tell there's some things they also kind of you know touch topic on some of the politics of the time you know don't ask don't tell being a big one um and that's kind of a theme in this movie as well um when you know, with what Val does with his father and stuff like that. So it was just, it was a big one for me. It, it really meant a lot. So I don't know. I was appreciative that mom had took me to it. So so have either of you seen the original that this is based off the French one, La, La Cage? I've only seen, I think I've only, La Cage, yeah. Um, I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but I want to see the whole thing from what I saw a little bit, like the uh, little bit of that I did see at first, I thought like the performances were a little stiff, but I think it's, that was a long time ago. It was many years ago too, when I saw some clips from it. So I think it's time to revisit that, but I know they made two more sequels to that one too. And oh, wow. France. Okay. Yeah. So there's three of them. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen the, the cause of fall. Um, I mean, I've seen, the stage work. Play, I I've, I've, seen, I've seen we've had the movie circulating at work, but um, I just never thought to <laughs> to pick it up. I don't know. I figure, you know. And Criterion has it um, mm-hmm. released in the first movie, at least. All right. So 
Let's get into this one first. Let's give us the scores. Gives us a Rotten Tomato Critic score of 82% and an audience score of 81%. So people are pretty uh, much aligned on this. That score should be higher. <laughs> Just saying that score should be higher. 82 and 81. Chris is still unhappy. Okay. Those are yeah. pretty yeah. decent scores. Okay. Should have been like up there in the 90s. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yep. I mean, how can you hate this movie? I know you want to choke those kind of crazy. That's my question. What the hell's wrong Answer with that you? below, you guys. How can you hate this movie? <laughs> well, I mean, I can think of at least one character that people probably hate, but yeah, we'll get there. We'll get into that. <laughs> First, this movie comes with a budget of thirty-one million. Did anybody look up the box office? I remember seeing it briefly. I know it was like over. I think it was over a hundred, hundred million, at least over a hundred million. I think. Chad, give us a guess. Total. Um, I'm. Well, with the cast and stuff, and yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say it was probably up there close to 100. 185. Oh, this wow. movie was a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, did made back made back its budget and then some. Yeah. Exactly, and I gotta tell you, looking this up, we're gonna get right into our who could have been who. It's not much, but boy, it almost was a different movie. I don't know if you guys <laughs> looked this up or not. No, but I no, I haven't. No. So originally, Robin Williams was gonna play the role of Albert. Which would have been more typical Robin Williams, actually. I think so, too, yeah. So I'm glad it didn't yeah. work out, but Steve Martin was going to play Armand. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine Robin Williams and Steve Martin as a couple? <laughs> oh, man. I just can't imagine anybody but Nathan Lane playing the part of Albert, though, because he did such an amazing job playing Albert. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Robin Williams, I think, could pull that off, but it would have been different. And I, I don't know that I would have liked it as much. Yeah. As as weird as it is to say for a movie like this, I feel like Robin Williams playing the straight man, you know, mm -hmm. for this for this movie. Well, intended, role, not intended, not intended. Well, notice <laughs> that his role, too, was a little more subdued. Like, the energy was, you know, exactly. compared to a regular Robin Williams performance, which was the brilliance of his role in this movie. Right. Because it was just as funny as any of his other comedies. Um, but him as Albert, I feel like that would have just went way overboard in a way. You know, no offense Probably. to him or, any, or anything like that. But Nathan Lane just kind of had that right balance of, you know, empathy and comedy, I guess you say, to really make this character full-fleshed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, luckily for all of us, Steve Martin dropped out because he was he wanted to go film Sergeant Bilko. I think I read that he regrets that now, but luckily it worked out for everyone else. Because <laughs> well, I've never how, seen it. I've, I've never, never seen, seen it. And actually, I will probably uh, probably admit I've never heard of Sergeant Bilko. No, oh, come on. Uh, there's no way. I'm pretty sure we saw previews of it when we were like. Oh, I'm sure we did. I don't know. Know. Honestly, I just don't remember it. anything no. about it. Yeah, but the Birdcage has become such a cult icon classic film you know i can see why one would be like uh why did i skip out on that one yeah and the other one's a little bit smaller hank azaria was originally just going to be the hairdresser and they were going to bring in david allen greer to be the butler and then they just kind of combined <laughs> the roles so yeah. well they oh, uh, david allen greer would have been great too. that would have like, been hilarious he would have done really well even if this was just Agador of sorts, you know, but in his own way. But, but Hank man, Azaria I tell you, was Hank Azaria brilliant. was amazing in he this. Was. 
Like every, I love he, his was, his, he was a like small role, for, but shit, he was know, probably like the standout character for me. I mean, for me anyway, he was probably like the standout character. I mean, for you know, background supporting character anyway. Yeah, and his performance got acclaimed anyway. I think he even mm-hmm. got nominated for some of the smaller awards out there um, during that time for in his a supporting role, of course. Yes, Hank Azaria, every scene he's in, he steals the scene. There's no doubt. A lot of people give the MVP to him just because, I mean, I know it's a small part. But, man, it's hard for me not to just go Nathan Lane with everything he does in this. Yeah. Holy jeez. Yeah. He was incredible for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't Josh, expect to like it as much as I did. Well, I was going to say, for the first time seeing I'm glad you this, liked it, Josh. That's really Yeah, nice. like, what did what was the first thoughts that came in your head first seeing that? And now that you have seen it, like, I mean, was it just something you were like, holy shit, how did I miss this? Yeah, I mean, I knew, I mean, I knew being Robin Williams, I don't know why I never watched it, because I've always liked Robin Williams. <laughs> there was really no reason for me not to watch it. But yeah, this movie was hilarious. There are some characters to not like. So we're going <laughs> to get into that. Well, you know, that it also only goes to show that they did their job. You know, it wasn't like their characters were because of poor acting. It was just because mm-hmm. their characters were performed well. And so they did their job with making you feel like, okay, I don't like you. <laughs> the way that you're doing this and the way that you're setting this up. Okay, I can agree. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about Val right now. He's he is, <laughs> he is a manipulative piece of shit as a son. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. You, you and in case people this. don't know, Val is spoiler. Val is the son for Armand and Albert, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. He's their twenty-year-old son. He's their twenty-year-old son in college. He comes home and he's like. Yo, I'm getting married. And he's getting married to a young girl, Calista Flockhart, played by Calista Who's Flockhart. just shy of 18. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That was another thing. She's not even She's not even 18. I was like, mm, I'm probably like, you know what? Hold off on marriage. At least just a couple years for me. Wait, uh, <laughs> you would think. You're, you're 17 years old, girl. You're not even 18. Because I even went back and put on subtitles to make sure I heard that. That's what he said. <laughs> Gene Hackman's character. Kevin Keeley said that. I was like, not even 18. I, mean, I realize yeah. they're not that far apart in age. Man, that, that's young to go getting married. <laughs> but no. we know that he comes home, right? So he comes home, he tells his dad he's getting married. But it's not until just maybe a little bit later, he's like, oh, by the way, this girl I'm marrying is the daughter of a senator, mm. a Republican senator, senator on top of that, conservative. And he's got like this popular talk show. That's what it was. It called like Chad the social the. It's like the coalition for order. social and moral order or something like yes. that. <laughs> oh, okay, before we go any further, I want to say this. I was watching this, and <laughs> I remember I went to college with a guy, and he was a big time right wing guy like that, conservative guy. And he would tell me him and his friends would sit around and they would debate talk and they would like they were it seemed like they were arguing on that show, but they were making yeah. the same points. And he said that's how they do for real. I remember him saying this. They would almost be yelling at each other, but making the same points. And I'm like, 
why? That's weird. Why would you do that? <laughs> so they're so they're basically arguing. They're not even arguing. They're just yelling. They're not even arguing. They're just the same point. I guess they're so passionate. They just get louder and louder when talking about. Oh, they're something. one of those assholes. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's I how they were doing it on that show with that. Yeah. Whatever the one Gene Kevin Keeley was on. Yeah, so, so, and like what they were essentially is kind of like thing. the podcast before podcast, but just with <laughs> the moral social order thing, conservative order, you know, whatever the case is, right? Whatever those that the, the crazy delusional thing that they see. Anyway, but we know there's a scandal going on because his partner ends up dying in the bed of a minor black teenage woman, prostitute and, or prostitute on top As of that. Got, yeah, like. Lord, like that some of the stuff he says in this yes oh especially when he answers the phone oh right it's like one word after the other <laughs> so he's in the middle of the scandal so he's trying to hide from the press and yeah things just get crazy because the kids are bringing the families together but they don't know what the families are like they don't tell their parents anything about <clears throat> you know, who the parents are really so much. They know what it is, but they're just trying to set it up. So Val comes home and he's like, yeah, I'm getting married. And oh, by the way, daughter of a senator. Oh, and by the way, she's coming in tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, we need you to, I need you to change the apartment. I need you to change the way you live, who you're with. You know, we, we have to be conservative too. I need well, you I, to be straight. I mean, that's I mean, yes. Yeah. That's, and then, yeah. I don't know how, how he was going to get around that because, I mean, there's a drag club right downstairs below <clears> them. <throat> and not to mention the street that they're on is like, you know, people walking around with like hardly any thongs. clothes on. Walking around with thongs and everything. Men and women both. Yeah. So it's like, it's how are you going to explain this, area, you know, yeah. how are you going to explain this, you know, supposed conservative family of yours Living in this, you know, very well, as she's as liberated. she said, as uh, as Calista Flockhart's character says, well, when they bought the place, it was nothing but sand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just sort of built up around them. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, so that that bothered me too with Val. But then again, we wouldn't have a story if that kind of didn't happen that way. And then on the other hand. We're talking 1996 to a degree versus today where I think something like that would be not necessarily told in the same way. Does that make sense, you guys? Like, I think most people today would, because there's a lot of, I don't know, a lot of people don't really care so much about if someone's gay or something like that. We, we got it, you know, know. Kind of everywhere. But, well, yeah. I understand because there's like a lot of Ted conservatives Cruz, today. Instance, how would yeah. Ted Cruz handle something like that, you know? <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. I just, like, he's 20. He's naive in a way. He's thinking about how can I impress the in-laws. And, but his parents, Robin Williams and all this, like, they they want him to be happy. So they're doing what they can to love their kid. And, and I get that to an extent. But on the other hand, that's also the beauty of the story is basically saying this is just who we are. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And this is our family, and that's the that's the that's, story that's you the get crux out of, of the it. story. Yeah. yeah, and then eventually that's all accepted there at the end, regardless of politics. So, 
yeah, Val is irritating with setting that up at first, but that's where we as the viewers sit there and go, but, you know, we get irritated, but on the other hand, it makes for a good story as everything progresses but, but he's doing it every step of the way like like they i mean yeah. they brought in they brought don't in, add one, subtract yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then when when robin williams decides to keep albert in when armand decides to keep albert in he he does it again no we're not doing this you can't do this and i'm like oh yeah. my god dude like he's, he's he's bringing him in as an uncle i mean yeah. it, it can, the story can work that way oh he's god. like no poor no. albert <laughs> poor albert man like definitely trying to change him in every way they can you know yeah just, nothing is working yeah but chris tell them tell josh your um their theory that you heard about oh, the relationship yeah. between albert okay. and um armand. armand yeah okay uh so many years ago when i was taking this college course for sociology the instructor had us watch the movie and so one of the things she was bringing up was you know pay attention to how Albert seems like he's always suspicious of Armand seeing someone else. Maybe that gives you the clue that Armand was never really a hundred percent faithful to Albert at one point. Hence maybe why he hooked up with Catherine 20 years ago prior and had Val. So maybe there was that moment in time that he you know, him and Albert were probably either on the rocks or what was going on there, and he fooled around. <laughs> so maybe that's something, because you notice that Albert's like, no, I'll come along. You're not going to drop me off at the cafe. I'll be there too. <laughs> and he wanted to be in that office. And, you know, and the more mm -hmm. that, the longer that Armand stayed in that office, the more, you know, kind of irritated he irritated, became yeah. with having to wait. Because he was just kept thinking, like, what if Armand is... Yeah, it's around. funny because I know, like when I was when I was younger and watched the movie, I used to think that Albert was being unreasonable mm -hmm. because you know Albert's like, oh, everybody hates me, everybody doesn't love me, you know. But I can kind of like I understand his point now, and when you because I mean when you see the way that you know like that Val wants to get rid of him because he's obvious or whatever, mm -hmm. you know that's hurtful. And then you know with this idea that. You know, like Armand was never faithful to him, potent, you know, potentially, possibly, like that would explain why a know, lot of Albert insecurities. is very insecure about who he is, and you know, so yeah, it's that's the other sort of brilliance I think of the movie is how layered it is that way because they don't really tell you everything. Like you sort of just have to, you know, find the pieces yourself yeah. in some way, right? Because I mean. Armand tells the story of the night at the club basically getting drunk and saying, oh, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. And mm -hmm. it ended up in a pregnancy on that one-night stand. <laughs> yep. and, and he, he did was, it three times or something like that, he said? Two times like in an hour and 15 minutes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> From 2.30 to 3.45. He didn't know the details really well after mm. 20 years. But I, I took that as it was the one and only time he did that. And I don't know if yep. him and Albert were together at that point i mean I, did they say that because i didn't catch no, that that's something that they never addressed in terms of how long they were together but you i think in the movie you have the sense that they've been together for a long mm -hmm. time and well especially for val to refer to albert as his mother yeah 
like but, you kind of get the sense that at least he's been in Val. He's been there since the beginning. For a very long time. And he and then when he was flipping time. through the picture book, there were pictures of Val as a baby. A baby. Yeah. And he knew Val as a baby. So I don't know. Like I can understand the theory. Not saying that it actually happened, but I can I think it's a understand. damn good theory though. But I do it think it's a, good a theory. lot about Albert's personality and his yes. um yeah. you know, in his uh motivations i suppose mm-hmm. it could be true but i guess because of the fact that when val first approached armand about this mm-hmm. he says it it took me a long time to know who i am and i learned it 20 years ago so it almost took that one instance with her for him to realize who he truly was as a person mm-hmm. and I, I always I, I was taking it as <clears throat> he met albert like right after that because you're right he's definitely been in his life almost his whole life based on those pictures. I agree with that. So I wasn't sure. So, that maybe yeah. that, and then that maybe also that he could have fooled around with guys and, and have even been with Albert, but he just never also had that opportunity to really figure out like, well, am I really just gay? Maybe he had his own insecurities at that time as well. And then it just kind of led into that opportunity because it presented itself. And he had some liquid courage <laughs> in order to do that. <laughs> so, um, but I don't, it, to me, it also just kind of, like Chad said, it kind of explains a little bit too of Albert's personality around Armand, you know, making sure he's always trying to be attractive to Armand. Yeah, because he talks about all his struggles of, you know, losing the weight and yep. everything and not, and uh, Armand not even really acknowledging it. Yeah. Yeah, he's been doing that for a long time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he says he lost and gained a hundred pounds over the last year. I was like, "Holy Jesus, that's a big fluctuation in a year." Four and a sixteen. That's right, a four and a <laughs> yeah. sixteen, a sixteen to a four or something like that. And he's like, and you haven't even said one hint, one word of encouragement, not even one hint. Yeah. Oh, and that's the yeah. We'll get to that in a minute, but it's just interesting to talk about like a little bit of the layers behind this movie because i was like you know my sociology teacher brought up a good point and i just didn't even think about it back then you know yeah i could definitely you see and i mean chris i want to ask you and chad i guess you can go too but since you saw in theater <laughs> did you look at val like this as a child because i saw some people saying that as a kid they didn't really pick up on how manipulative val was being to it oh dad. absolutely not no 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 because I, I mean this is 96 so this right. was what i was maybe 12 or 13, depending on what month it came out, yeah. I think it was like December (coughs) or something like that. I think it was later in the year. Yeah, it was in 13. Yeah, Yeah. I think they were trying to push it for award season, which is understandable because I know it got one Oscar nomination. I'm like, it should have had more. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I wasn't even thinking that at the time. I just remember thinking, wow, this is amazing to see. Um basically this family be a family because it was just something that again you didn't see back then you didn't Mm -hmm. really you didn't see a whole lot of that on tv or in movies most of the stuff that came out back then too were it had gay people dying basically like we were talking about philadelphia before recording this gay people dying gay gay people people cross-dressing gay people being crazy gay people being drug addicts like yeah you just just, see like it was not really so much of a positive outlook you know uh 
so for me, this was just kind of a big change, and I really appreciated it. It was just, I was looking more on the optimistic <clears throat> side at that time. I was just saying, this is funny. This is hilarious. <laughs> now, it, now that it is, that it is. <laughs> like, especially like Robin Wood. Also, the time, the time in this movie. They're, they're the day of that they're coming, and they have like five hours, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they're not doing all this getting around South Beach in this time. Because we mm. see the traffic in certain scenes, but they're right. going. And they're especially going from the weird. beginning. Even exactly. in the beginning of that movie, that that night, you know, just as it leads. And you're like, okay, that. And you know what it kind of reminded me of, in a way, is if you were to go to maybe any popular tourist beach area. And at night, you know, it's going to be busy traffic-wise. And it kind of reminded me of some of the vacations in Orlando that we had before. And you remember the traffic as well in that area when you would be driving, like, those two-lane roads, those main roads? Like, that was crazy. So that's what it reminded me of. So getting into, I guess, we'll talk about Robin Williams trying to teach Albert how to be a man. (laughs) What, what What were some of your favorite things? Oh, that's a tough, that's a loaded one because there were so many. Um, One of the things I will say is I love, I will, I love that the beginning, how it sets up. You got this kind of long camera take, if you will, but the way that they kind of make it seamless in terms of the transition, like you got that camera going over the beach, you got Sister Sledge playing (laughs) over (laughs) the credits. And it just leads up to that road. The camera goes through all those people and the traffic crosses over. You go into the club and you see Robin going like just different places, checking on different places in the club and all that stuff. And But then, of course, I don't know, just beautiful work. But then, of course, there's the beginning of the first time that we see Albert or a.k.a. Starina. He, who is the headliner of this club's headliner drag queen and um, the interaction and that when we get Hank Azaria as well for the first time this was just such great things and Chad and I we quote this movie quite a bit actually mm-hmm. um, and especially the beginning you know where Albert's kind of having his tiff if you will and he's like Victoria Page will not dance the dance of the veils or something like that or the red shoes and he's like oh i know honey but it's okay and he's like no victoria page died or is dead and it's like you know why she died because she died weeping for her her man (laughs) and then she's like honey you look haggard have you eaten anything And then, uh, you know, you got Al or Armand coming up there because time is crunching for the Starina to get on the stage. And uh, and then, like, that whole back and forth was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, him busting through the wall <laughs> or through the door. And he's like, come on, Albert, like, up, baby. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, just screaming. And then I like suddenly it tempers down because you got that high energy and it goes up and down in this scene. So. You know, I love where he's like, don't give me that contentious tone. Or he's like, oh, he's like, don't give me that tone. What tone? That contentious tone. The one where you think you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. And he's like, you're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. And he throws a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and then him sitting there going like, I've 
you know, my weight has changed. You're not giving me a hint of encouragement. And he's like, then I saw a bottle of red wine chilling in the fridge and I only drink white. Switch it. White wine. He only yeah. drinks red. Yeah. That's right. He's That's like, right. I only drink red and so do you. And he's like, I drink so red I'm because red has tannins. tannins. <laughs> or I drink yeah. white because red has tannins and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. like, tannins? <laughs> oh, man. So good. I think of that. It's a really good whole scene, beginning yeah. scene. And I love where it's like, I would you know, if it wasn't for the Purin tablets, I don't think I could go <laughs> on. Tablets. But I love that that Agador is like, don't worry, it's aspirin with the A and the S scraped off. And Bob was like, oh my god, you're a genius. I know. <laughs> That's hilarious because like, uh, Albert's just like, if it wasn't for the Purin tablets, I, I don't think I could go on. <laughs> aspirin. Uh, oh, aspirin is the lifeblood, Chad. Knew what? The aspirin is his lifeblood. That's what yeah, it is. Apparently. It's his blood thinner. It helps prevent blood clots. And he, and he just thinks he's like, you know, one of those old school Hollywood classic stars. That's oh, he was definitely having a, um, yeah. a Gloria Swanson moment in there. Yeah. Actually, several Gloria Swanson moments, I or think. Or maybe a Judy Garland kind of thing. Yeah. Because you know, she was addicted to all those. those yeah, it is, it is funny that our. Armand basically has to threaten to put someone else on just to get him to finally commit to <laughs> doing ego. it. It's the ego, yeah. It's like, ego that's got to be fed. The number's almost done. Should I send in Carmen? Yes. Get Carmen right. No, not Carmen. <laughs> the people who come to see Starina. And I will give them Starina. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's oh funny because you know, Armand definitely knew that sending Carmen on would change yes, Albert's his, tune. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah, he knew what their he relationship knew what is. <laughs> oh man, but that's I don't know. I think of that beginning, and then of course I think of the dinner scene towards you know as mm-hmm. things were building up for that and how they progressed as well. So those are the memorable things for me. Oh, I think I like I like that though when he's taking him out to lunch, and he keeps putting oh. the pinky up, and he can't get get that pinky the goddamn down. pinky down. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little, little dots of mustard, men's I pierced the toast. <laughs> and he was like going really hard on that piece remember. of bread. Like he couldn't do it. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I just have to remember that I can always get more toast. <laughs> and then oh, the John man. Wayne walk. The John Wayne, like. Like in a way, it was reminiscent of John Wayne, but it totally was not even John Wayne. Oh, but <laughs> how'd you like this hat? Yeah, yeah that character, damn sun gardening hat. I lo- I love Armand's response though, because he he says something like, "You nailed it." I just didn't know John Wayne walked that way. <laughs> He's like, "Actually, it's perfect." <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then like the a handshake. John Wayne walk or something. I don't oh, know. That was hilarious. Oh, but I like the first one. He's like, "Okay, get up and show me your walk," and he does that. Oh yeah. That just regular walk. walk. And he's like, too squishy. <laughs> he's like, let me give you an image. It's cliche, but it's an image. John Wayne. Oh, could you give me someone easier? <laughs> he's like, oh, come on, but you're a big fan. <laughs> oh, man. I like it. Howdy, ma'am. <laughs> And then, then they end up, I guess, I guess, in some kind of park or whatever. And he's like, "How yeah. about them dolphins?" 
<laughs> how'd you make it to the Dolphins? But I love, I love when he asks him and he tries to do He's like, how'd you feel about the Dolphins? Betrayed, bewildered. bewildered. Yeah, and I was like, that's Josh with his, his sports talk too. <laughs> Especially when his Cowboys don't do well. I bet you feel bewildered and betrayed. <laughs> God damn it, guys. <laughs> But it's funny because, like, Albert has this really good way, like, and you see it later on in the dinner scene. Like, he has this really good way of sort of, like, playing along and stuff. Because, yeah. like, like at the dinner scene, you know, uh, Kevin Keeley was like, I'm sure you all have heard about the scandal with Eli Jackson. And, like, they all kind of paused because they hadn't, they actually hadn't heard anything about it. But Nathan Lane and, and Drag playing the mother, he's like, Oh yes, we thought it was a horrible scandal. <laughs> he's it's like, an ugly story. <laughs> he's like, it's an ugly story. And he's like, personally, we think he was framed. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and we for one demand an autopsy. And he's like, oh my god, that's exactly what Rush Limbaugh said. <laughs> Not the company oh, you want to keep. Oh my god, just that was brilliant. And I love too, like the. Um, one of the scenes I love too was when Armand was directing for the new music he wrote for Star Arena. So they were doing the practice session and that guy, the dancer just kept either making faces or grabbing his cock right there. You know, and she's like, ah, and she's like, I saw what he did. And she's like, and he's chewing gum while I'm singing. You don't chew gum while I'm singing. <laughs> And so I love when he, of course, famous scene in the movie where Robin goes up to him and the dancer is like, so I just stand here and do nothing. He goes, no, you do a collective of dance. You do, you know, he's like, you do um, Martha Martha Graham. You do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. You do Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. And then him trying to explain as well, like what the theme of the song is. He's like, you know, she plays your creator. You're her fantasy. When you come to life, she is your fantasy. You fall in love. And he's like, I don't get it. And she's like, try more gum. (laughs) Because he's like, gum helps him think, helps him concentrate. So, yeah. It's not even that hard of a concept to follow. This guy is just dense. (laughs) <laughs> Which is kind of what Albert was getting at, because I was like, just because you're 22, young, and hung doesn't mean that yeah, <laughs> clever or whatever. Yeah, um, Albert, Albert's definitely right in the sense that they need to get someone else. That guy's not gonna cut it. Yeah, but he's a good dancer. Because you see some moments where he's dancing in that movie, he's a good dancer. So he is a good talent at least. But like at the beginning, where he was doing that like that Spanish dance with that one queen, and then he like turns her off the stage and he does that bow. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he just <clears throat> plays or whatever, he twists off the stage. So what do you what do you guys think about this little National Enquirer side character? Of course when I first saw him I'm like, that's that's the guy from Heavyweights. Uh, yep. Yep, that's right. <laughs> oh man, another good movie by the way. Oh yeah, he was the camp counselor, right? Yes. He, yeah, he's the yeah. one that had went there as a kid all those years and still didn't lose weight that they make fun of all the time. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think the, the guy played the, you know, sleazeball journalist really, really well. Yeah. You know, um, 
he was the antagonist for the film. Yeah, so, he really was, yeah. And the thing is, it's very true to life. I mean, it's what... And it's his damn fault that everything crashing to an end because he took that damn note off the door that Val left for uh, his biological mother. And so she didn't see the note saying not to come up, so she went upstairs anyway and then blew the whole operation. Well, to be fair, Armand had already called her and told her not to come, and Val picked That's up right. the phone and said, no, he said, don't don't come He's, late or whatever. Yep. He changed yep. it up. Once again, Al being a piece of Val. Val being a piece of shit. <laughs> Val, Al, it's all the same. Tomato, <laughs> tomato. <laughs> Although they probably could have done like Albert, Al, and Armand. Right. Family starts with A's, right? Oh, man. I don't know what Val is short for. It's not I don't short think it's for short for anything. I think oh, it's just... Right. Something though, like Valentino or something. Oh, that's possible. But I doubt they named him Valentino. I don't see that. Uh, Sounds like an Adonis sort of guy. But you know that guy? He went on to be successful as also a screenwriter. The guy who played Val. Yeah, he wrote Capote. Chris said he wrote Capote. Yeah, so he ended up writing two. Which is also really good. If you haven't seen Capote, you should watch it. It's really good. I can see why uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman won the Oscar for that role. I've not seen Capote. I did recognize that guy. We'll watch it and we'll talk about it. I recognize that guy, but looking through his acting credits, I'm like, maybe this one-off episode of Sex in the City that somehow I remember and don't remember. I remember him from uh, Will and Grace. Uh, I think he did a couple episodes or a few episodes of Will and Grace that were pretty funny ones, actually. So that's kind of one of the other ones I remember him from. But I didn't know he wrote Capote. I was surprised. I was like, oh, wow. And then there was another movie that was Oscar nominated that he wrote as well or co-wrote with. And I can't remember which one it was, but he's, he's apparently done a lot of writing projects and was really good at it. I think he even married a screenwriter. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, one person we haven't talked about, and other than Mrs. Keeley, I don't know her first name, of course, played by the great Diane Weist. We haven't talked oh, about her yes. at all in this. So, what thing? Her, oh, her name is Louise. He calls her Louise. That's right. Okay, Louise. okay, yep. Or maybe he calls her, you know, maybe he calls her Wheezy behind, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What, what what do we think about her plan? Like, remember we've we've stated Barbara, or she calls her Barbie, Barbie her daughter, Ra. is not even <laughs> yeah, Barbie Raw. That's right. <laughs> oh, that was a great one. I did love that. But her plan to get out of this scandal is a wedding's a great idea. I'm like, your daughter's seventeen. Why are you pushing for this? I mean, it just shows to show how you play in the if you're in a political family. I mean, that's what it's showing. Well, I think for her too, she was looking on trying to be like, look on the make Kevin. There, there we go. Um, you know, her husband. <laughs> Kevin, not, Kevin, this is a man. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> to, to not like. Uh, be so concentrated on his career. I think she wanted him to be a little more involved. You know, like, oh, wait a minute. Our daughter is seeing a, a guy here. Uh, she's very serious about him. So let's let's focus on the family aspect. Try to bring people together. I think that was her thing, too. But, you know, I don't think she was this. But she was also seeing that, 
you know, if she could play it in his language, Kevin's language, that this is also good for your image because this is about family and, you know, tradition. what better way to, in tradition, what better way to make your image a little bit more stronger than a wedding, you know, something that's a loving thing, right? So I think that's what she was kind of doing there in order to bring him more on board, you know. I agree. I just don't know that I could make that decision to go for that, to be on board with it because of that. Right. <laughs> well, you know, like, it's so weird because I sit there and I think, too, like, if it was my kid who was, like, 17 or even 20, even I'm kind of like, I don't want you to get married that young. But, yeah, so, then, yeah, yeah. but if you're a public figure, isn't that why you have kids to begin with? So you can, like, <laughs> you know, shove yeah. them out of the spotlight when you need to. But then, on the other hand, I'm like... <laughs> crap if i especially someone who you know if your kid's 20 um they're going to do what they're going to do even if you're mm-hmm. pretty much against it so it's kind of like the well, thing, well the you know, let, thing. Make, let them make their own mistakes <clears throat> to a degree you know if well you don't want to assume it that sounds bad to sit there and go it's a mistake but oh well but at the same time it's like well that is their decision so whatever happens happens and if it turns out to be a great thing wonderful <clears throat> well and the other thing is you know like I mean, again, you know, if they did this, we wouldn't have a story. But, I mean, you know, her parents didn't approve. And I'm like, well, if I was Val, I just would have been like, okay, we'll wait until you turn 18. Yeah. And then we'll just run off and elope. Yeah. Because the know, thing is, even if they were against it, that's what she would have done. You yeah. know, that she would have done it that way anyway. I think that would have been the decision. I've been like, well, parents are against it, but I'll just wait till I'm 18. Mm-hmm. They probably would have run off too, and then if they run off and get married, but you know, the other would thing, still be unhappy but, with that because they you know, weren't the there thing, to see it. Yeah, the other thing though is, I mean, definitely, you know, when you're older, you kind of realize how young love is very fleeting. So I think that was the reason why everybody around them was telling them like, "Oh, you're making a big mistake. You're throwing away your life," and blah 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 blah. But I mean, young love also can last too. I mean, you know, our parents, yeah. and Chris's parents, are proof of that. So that's true too. <laughs> that's true too. Dad, our dad was seventeen. So yeah. Oh well, there you go. Okay then, there you go. Yeah. The case in point. There it is. There's the story right there. I didn't realize he was. I knew he was young. I didn't know he was that young. Wow. Oh yeah. And you yeah. know the thing is, like, if if they had waited just two more months, my dad would have turned eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> they had waited two more months, but no, they they couldn't wait. They decided <laughs> to yep. get married, and they, he actually had to get his uh, his parents' permission. His parents to sign. They had uh, to sign off on it. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Ooh, interesting. All right. So I think one of Gene Hackman's got a lot of great scenes, but I think one of his greatest scenes is when he's trying to sneak out the window. Oh um, yes. Which yes. I don't know why. Like I'm surprised it even worked the first time because at one point he comes in through that window. Because yeah. you know they're going to surround that whole house. They're not just going to stand at the front well, door. That, I told Chad, I was like, how the frick did they even get in his backyard? Because I'd be like, if, I don't know if that was me. Yeah, because like, I mean, they were all standing outside of gates to begin with. And so. standing literally outside right here in front of my house. I would be calling police on that or something. You know, I would have, I don't know, I would have called police and have security or something out there. But, but again... We wouldn't have much of a funny moment or a funny story if it wasn't kind of like that because that 
his face when he's caught is just hilarious. But he goes into like, full politician mode and yeah, he does the next signs. Yeah, but I mean that's a that's just a straight nod to Nixon doing that. that there's no yeah. doubt in my mind that's what that was when he did the peace signs. Nixon the Antichrist, in. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but when he got caught, yeah, he's stunned for a second, but he goes straight into a spill about how they're gonna go off and then the inquirer guy who's already paid his driver. <laughs> That guy gets bought off easily. Oh my I god, guess. that's a funny thing I'm gonna bring up too, because that guy probably paid him what, like maybe fifty bucks, if not a hundred bucks, to spill like something really cheap to pay him to get that information. And then at the very end, you know, when after they get out of the club, if you will, because I don't want to spoil it just yet in our conversation, and he's like, "Meet me at such and such," yeah. and he's like, "Buddy, not for a million dollars." I'm sitting there going. But you well, took, took only hundred dollars earlier. Oh, it's just to give information from another guy. <laughs> Telling me that you would take a million bucks if you were offered. Okay. Apparently, that's how ugly Gene Hackman. Well, you know, we'll get into that. Wow, Josh, that was mean. <laughs> that's, that's how it's supposed to play. That's how it's supposed to play. But so yeah, Gene Hackman look like B. Arthur though on drag. Well, you know what? I didn't think that at all. Chris, you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, Chris, Chris, who did you who did you think it looked like? Let's get Chris. Did you have someone? Did you think B. Arthur? Yeah, and you know did why? You? Because the hair, um, <laughs> the Golden Globes one year when Gene Hackman was the Cecil B. DeMille. Um, oh, okay, yeah, for that, Robin Williams was the Presenter. introduction guy for that oh. award. And he even sat there and go, who knew that like Gene Hackman looked like B. Arthur and drag for the birthday? And I was like, oh, that's it. And he does look like B. Arthur. And that just stayed with me ever since. Okay. Well, see, obviously I haven't seen that, so I didn't know. No, for some reason, and I don't know why, when I first saw it, I went, hmm, why does he look like Phyllis Diller in the Boneyard? Well, really? well, for one, she didn't have that much hair in that movie. Well, I can't. I guess in my mind she did because I've only watched it with you one time. And I don't are, you talking, are you talking about Mrs. Poopin' Platts? Yes. yes. Mrs. Poopin' yes. yes. <laughs> you have to say the name. That's our rule. You have to say the name. That's right. It's just hilarious. That, that, for some reason, that's where my mind went. That's another right. idea I talk about at some point. Oh, good lord, the boneyard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't seen it, folks, check it out. It's definitely different, unique, funny horror. Yeah, yeah. We still need to. We still need to fulfill our fantasy of doing going to a restaurant and telling them like when they ask for the last name, like Poop and Platts Party of Three. (laughs) 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 I could have swore we did that at least once. No, we never did. We always talked about it. I know. I know. We talked about. I don't think we ever did it though. We never had the courage to just go ahead and be like, "What's the name?" Poopin' Platts. Poopin' Platts. <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> it's French. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought we did, but okay. I definitely trust your memory better, Mom. But kind of related to the birdcage, it could be like, "Oh yes, it's it's Poopin' Platts in Charlotte, but it's." <laughs> Pouplay in <laughs> France and Pou 
Pula, Puplana, in <laughs> Greece, in Italy. But we never really know where we are until we hear our name. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right, yep, it's time. Let's talk about this dinner party. Yeah. So, so first, obviously, Val's real mom, played by Christine Baranski. Baranski. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I said her last name right. She can't make it. She's She was close, but then she ended up in traffic. So they, they have to raise the bridge to let the boats go by every so often. And she's she's right there. She's first in line to get across. She just missed it. That would and piss a, me a off so bad. a small little sailboat going. <laughs> yeah, for a tiny-ass sailboat has to yeah. pass through. That, that would piss me off, yes. But uh, so she's like, so they start. First of all, I want to say, where is this little room they're sitting to have dinner? Because this, this doesn't look like a room you would eat dinner in. Like when they go sit down in these chairs, I don't know if the table just looked low to me. It just didn't look like a room you would sit and have a dinner. I thought they were just going to sit there and talk at first. Well, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like I, I think that was just the how would you put it? Maybe like the living space, I guess you could say. But you know, it can get kind of confusing to also look like it was the dining room. To some because then suddenly they're in that room, you know, where it's the bigger table, and it's like, oh, there's yeah. the plates, <laughs> the plates yeah. with certain design on them. <laughs> 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 so, um, but it, it definitely, oh my god, the way they changed that apartment up within five hours compared yeah. to what it was before, like they took away all the bright this if you will all the life in the apartment and suddenly turned it into a <laughs> i mean it looked like a monastery like, like it, said, it looked like a yeah, monastery just, just added a crucifix, <laughs> Put up a yeah. crucifix. <laughs> the big old crucifix and lots of drapery you know to cut off the the porch and all that stuff they had yeah oh my god and poor armand in that suit oh he's sweating through that suit Oof. yeah <laughs> yeah down in, in some place like miami yeah i'd be wearing a a linen suit. Something I don't know. I would probably wear next to nothing. Gauzy <laughs> clothes. I wear the thongs. How about that? I, I would. Them. I would wear shorts and short sleeves to a damn business meeting if I had to live mm-hmm. in Miami. Mm-hmm. There's no Man. way you catch me in a suit down there. I don't wear a suit here. Hell no. I have to get a suit though because I'm going to that wedding in Mexico. <laughs> I have to get a suit. And I'm not understandable. That. Understandable. It's gonna be like September in Mexico. It's gonna be hot as shit, I think. So, <sighs> man, she's get a gauzy suit. <laughs> It'll be warm. It'll be warm. Pray for me. <laughs> oh, man. Right. So they say that the mother's not gonna show up, and I'm guessing. I don't know. Does Albert hear this? Has she been? Has he been up there getting ready this whole time? <clears throat> What, what, what do we think about when he comes down as the mom? I think he's probably heard it. Heard when I he says she's going to be late and he decides to, well, I can, I can take care of this. Yeah, because I, it, the other thing, too, is it kind of explains like that scream they heard a little bit earlier. And he's like, oh, right. that's our dog. So, <laughs> but Piranha. Piranha. <laughs> piranha. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that he just kind of knew, well, you know, I'm going to do what I do best. And that's one, being a performer, and two, I'm good at being in drag and I can pull this off. So, 
He and does. He, did. He, he pulled off a, a very conservative look. You know, a very conservative motherly look. <laughs> what is it? Kevin Keeley says he's like, he's like Mrs. Coleman. She cries when she hears her own name. They don't make women like that anymore. It breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> She's just so vulnerable. She's just so vulnerable. Louise <laughs> just looking at him like I know she didn't have this kind of compassion for poor Mrs. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like poor Mrs. Jackson is oh, yeah. a, a sympathetic like a, cow or something like that. An unsympathetic cow or something. <laughs> oh yes. They delayed it this this particular part is hilarious, and I love the fact that Kevin Keeley basically falls in love with her. She's just a small town girl who comes up with this man from Greece or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> they keep calling him a cultural attaché or something. Attaché, like which I still don't even know what the fuck that even is. But well, I just go with Louisa. Like, it's sort of like yeah, a diplomatic post. the children. Well, it's it's sort of a diplomatic post. Isn't that right, Barbara? Right. <clears throat> right, yeah. so any other things you guys want to bring up at this dinner scene before we get to the very end yeah. oh my god anything because there was so <clears throat> much like I I like the steady progression that it goes because it starts from being something kind of awkward into just snowballing into something that crashes and burns pretty quickly um but I love everything in between. Like, I love when Albert shows up and then, like, the way that him and Kevin, like, suddenly develop this bond. Like, you can tell Kevin is just infatuated with him. So, at that point, I love when they're kind of, like, talking about some of the hot-button issues, including gays in the military. And then you got Albert going, like, oh, gays in the military. That's another one, too. I thought the same thing. That was until I heard that Alexander the Great was a fag. And I was like, damn. And then he's like, and Armand's going around going, more ice for you. <laughs> and uh, about abortion like, and stuff too. Yeah. And he loves the yeah. ice. And then I love too where he, they go to sit down at the table. There's the bowls with the, the Greek boys on them. <laughs> He's like, oh, and, and girls, I got a girl on mine. He's like, oh, Mrs. Coleman, I know. that's not a girl. I definitely know when I see a boy. <laughs> yeah, he said, I may not have my glasses, but you haven't seen a boy in a long time. I know a boy when I see one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> and then them uh, dancing and singing the piano. Oh, yeah. That was funny. Um, dance all night. Dance all night. <laughs> yep. And dance, dance, dance <laughs> all night. <laughs> like, yeah, that was one of the fun- Spartacus. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of the funniest things to me is that somehow Agador is, I don't know, 30 something years old and he's never worn shoes. Like he puts on shoes yeah. for the first time and can't He's walk. Like, I don't wear shoes because they make me fall. Yeah. Well, probably in his, oh his villages in Guatemala that he grew up in, they never wore shoes. And then, of course, he moved to oh South Beach where he basically lives on the coast. So he doesn't have to wear shoes to walk around there. So. Oh, but I love to, like, towards the beginning where um, he had made, like, and this is a weird thing. 
He knew how to make Turkish coffee, but he didn't know how to make a dinner <laughs> at all. So I love like where he's sitting there um, at the beginning where he's <laughs> he gives it to uh, Armand, and Armand's like, "Oh, what is this sludge?" He's like, "Yes, I thought I'd make a change than the usual and just make sludge." sludge. <laughs> And then um, Albert comes in. Mm, this is delicious Turkish coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you? And also, it goes to show you how people know that family. I think because you see, like how. Oh, yeah, Albert's going the street. Just walk the street, and everyone We're knows. All, who everybody's is. saying hi to him, and he knows so, everybody there. <laughs> going back to that real quick, my only issue with that scene is Albert comes home, Val is sleeping. He gets up, does all this shopping, come back, and Val's still sleeping. I'm like, good lord, how much are you sleeping, dude? Well, I don't know. i tell you one thing. I was like, I'm surprised they're up that early considering how late the club closes. That's why I'm wondering what time it is because Albert came in super late, and I don't know what time he's doing. I know it's before noon because he says the rest, will be, the rest of the groceries will be delivered at noon. Mm-hmm. And then he was also like, good morning to everybody on that street. So I bet it was pretty early. <laughs> Here's a little piece of trivia, though. The outside of the birdcage, the exterior of mm-hmm. it, is the Carlisle um, Hotel, which was also used oh. as the exterior for the Golden Palace. No and, way! Is yeah. it that? It does look familiar now. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Hence, B. Arthur and drag. We <laughs> come full circle. Oh my god! Full circle. Yes. All right, yeah. So, well, you know what? You've teased it enough. We're going to get to it. So, of course, at the end, the mom, Catherine, ends up showing up. Christine Baranski. And the whole scheme falls apart. The scheme falls apart. And this is is part of my other problem with the character. And it's not just this movie. It's They do it a lot. Character of Val. He gets to do one redeeming thing and all is forgiven. Because now he accepts. I'm like, no, you've been an asshole this whole movie. I don't forgive you yet. You've got to do better. You've got to do more. But he he obviously he takes off the wig of Albert and says, no, this is my mother. He acknowledges as his mother. Because there's been this whole thing throughout where it seems like Armand almost doesn't want to share Val with Albert. Like even the white wine thing, he had it. He was going to meet. He was just going to meet his son. He wouldn't tell Albert about it. He, yeah. and so it made it Albert think he was going to meet another man. Mm-hmm. And it was just his son because he doesn't seem to want to share him with him. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because even Val's like, he had made it clear to Armand that, hey, I need to tell you something. I need to meet with you, but it's got to be you in private. Don't tell Albert because he knew that if he told Albert that, oh, I'm getting married, Albert was going to throw a fit. <laughs> so I think he just knew like if I tell if I tell dad about it then maybe dad can break it to Albert easily for me. And I think that's where he was coming from. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Just don't like if Armand and Albert if Armand's so comfortable living with Albert in this lifestyle. What is it with him and Val? Like, why is it he doesn't seem to want him to share that experience? I don't know. I don't know how to put it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and, uh, I think, if anything, Albert was just 
you know, like any parent as well, just saying, showing how much he loved Val and, you know, he was going to do everything he could in order to make Val's night perfect for this family. And that's understandable. It just shows a lot of love between the fam family. They were willing to sacrifice this one night, you know, to make things perfect as they could for Val because it meant so much to their kid. And as, and I'm sure, you know, as a parent, there's a lot, like if you thought of yourself in a position, like what you would do for your kid, you know, you probably would do a, just about anything for them. Oh yeah. I have no doubt about that. I'm not, I understand why he goes through with it, even though Val's kind of, Shitty for growing up with that. His whole life, like it's his whole life. It's not like he lived some other life most of his life. Yeah, and he told Barbara about it. So, I, you know, I just think that for their perspective, they were just thinking, "Oh my God, the, you know, her parents would never accept it if they just knew from the, the start." And you know what? I almost kind of wish we got a short scene with Barbara telling him, "Hey." You might want to think about doing this. That way it's not just all on Val. He had some influence from Barbara saying, look, my parents are like this. You might want to think about doing this if we're going to meet to make yeah. them, to win them over. Well, if they get to that. They've only been dating for what, like a year is what he said or something? Or what she said probably. to her parents, I think. So I'm sitting there going like, what's the matter? You couldn't wait to get married? <laughs> just wait a little bit longer so that way you can properly explain things to your parents that this is his living situation this is his family you know and when you're 18 they ain't going to stop you from marrying him anyway you can do what you want yeah exactly just wait till you're 18 because yeah we, we learned that this character gene hatman's character like obviously he's going to be against you if you're gay He's going to be against you if you're a different color with the way he describes the girl oh, with the Jackson case. Like, yes. I mean, he can't handle that. Yeah. Gene Hackman was great at playing. Like, he definitely played the typical Republican uh, political character. Like, he just, I don't know, he just had that right <laughs> uh, form of character for the right. Role. Right wing mentality, so if you will. Yeah. And I love, too, that his vice was that when shit went wrong, he has to eat chocolate. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah chocolate wrappings everywhere. And also, he can't even handle... I mean, the whole... We talked about the names getting confused. The whole thing is their name's Golden and they're Jewish, and he wouldn't even be approving yes. of that. Yep. Yep. That's why they had to change it to Coleman. And then trying to keep everybody <laughs> in line on what it is is... A difficult Coleman. thing to do. It's nice to meet you, Mrs. Coleman. Goldman. Oh, I thought it was Mrs. Coleman. We did have a little confusion about the, yeah, the whole thing, too. It was like, oh, and such and such is pronounced blah, 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 and so forth. Yeah. So that was pretty funny. Oh, man. There, there's so much that we could, that I think all of us could say what we like, especially certain parts. Like, I feel like as we're going along, I'm thinking of new things to talk about in terms of parts of movie of the movie because right. uh, i'm like i don't want to forget anything <laughs> but everything was just so good from beginning to end yeah and right before they get out i forgot exactly how kevin 
words it, but he's like, we got this going on, we got this going on. You and tells Barbara she needs to stop being selfish. And I was like, oh, oh my you're, god, yeah, you're a dick. And how you like Louise? She was like, somebody's gotta love me too, right? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, honestly, in this short scene we get with at this dinner party, he shows more love towards Albie as the mom, however, mm-hmm. Mrs. Coleman, than he ever does towards his wife. Right. More sympathetic to poor Mrs. Coleman. (laughs) (laughs) I love, too, how, like, Louise always finds... One of the great things about Diane Weiss is, and it's just, like, it's something small, but it's just, it adds humor to her character. And that's, of course, her being overly optimistic. So she will find any silver lining to sit there and say to Kevin that... Oh, but this this is great because dot dot dot. So I love when like even if it's an awkward moment, she'll find something to compliment on or you know, just something to be like, Oh, this is wonderful. So I love what one of the first things she does is when she comes into the apartment and she sees the books and she's like, Oh, you got the entire Nancy <laughs> Drew mystery series. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, I'm like, yes, a conservative Republican has a the whole Nancy An Drew series. Yeah, anti-shader <laughs> Grease has the whole Nancy Drew series. So I'm like, man, because obviously they had like the whole drag queen crew that works at the club come and decorate the apartment. Mm-hmm. So that I'm like, yeah. So one of them slipped in the Nancy Drew series. <laughs> well, I think it had, it had come with. The moose head they originally had, I think, yes. is where it came from. Because they were going to yeah. put a moose head up. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And then Maybe. also put in Playboy magazines in the bathroom. And he's like, where yep. did this come from? I was like, this is what they read. <laughs> Don't add. Subtract. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so now Kevin gives the speech. Now it's time to get out the club. And he's like, well, can't they just slip out at the end with the blast big number? And of course they're like no, and then of course Albie has the brilliant idea. Oh, we can make we have different looks because there's this whole thing of even Agador likes to steal all his wigs that he has because yeah. he has so many good wigs. And this is where we get another we are family scene because that's how they that's their big number at the birdcage. Yep, it's where they get everyone together on stage and have the audience participation. So everyone is family, and this is where we get. Gene Hackman as a uh, not quite so pretty woman. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Josh, you, you thought it was sexy. No. no. <laughs> I cannot agree with that one, Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was good, too. All those press people all in that club and then Robin's going around bringing all his his talent he's like y'all need to get up on the stage we got a big thing that's going to happen we need you to get all the audience up and dancing as well get all the bodies going so they can slip on through (laughs) I like that Diane Louise's character she's like some guy supposed to be a guy who's into like S&M type stuff I guess oh yeah I never danced with a man before. Well, there's always a first time. First. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do love that Gene Hackman's like almost offended that no one wants to dance with him as a woman. 
Yeah, because like, he's sitting there like, I told him not to put me in white. It makes me look fat or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so do you think, you know how sometimes like when you do the drag, you're dressing up as a famous person. Is he supposed to be Marilyn Monroe in this white dress with this big blonde wig? Is he supposed to be anyone? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, no, think, I don't think so. I think they just dress him up as, hey, he's he's just another queen. And... Um, just like a lot of people are dressed, a lot of got you know, a lot of queens are dressed up in there. Even some who are not even working for the club, some people are dressed up. So I think they were just, they just knew like we put him in drag. We probably have a better chance of slipping him through rather than him obviously dressing as himself. Yeah, and it works. They all get through and they slip out, going right past all Which the press people. Because <laughs> I'm surprised that. Well, except for that camera guy at the end. I think the camera guy knew for sure. He kind of looked, yeah, the way he turns and looks, yeah. it kind of seems like he knew. But I am surprised that none of the press people figured it out. Like, really? Come on. Maybe I, that camera guy was a friend of Dorothy's. Maybe, too. <laughs> maybe, too. Maybe he is part of the family. But, you know, still, I'm kind of surprised that all those press people, they didn't still think about it or see anything. But... On the other hand, they weren't looking for a Senator Keeley in drag. They just were looking for Senator Keeley, period. Right. So they were really focused on the guy rather than him in a dress and in a wig and in makeup. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it'd be the last thing you would expect from a conservative yeah. senator, that's for sure. Yeah. That's true. And, and, and that's another thing. With his character, this is kind of like the only thing he does that – Changes it to where, oh, now he's a good person because he's overcome. Yeah. And Well, and, and the thing, like, even when um, everything foiled and now they're stuck in the apartment, then it's like even his guard kind of, I think, fell, you know, because he was able to sit there and relax. <laughs> and just mm -hmm. for them to really <laughs> conversate with one another. So... Yeah, yeah, true. And, and when the whole thing falls apart at the end, I did think it's funny. You had referenced earlier where she's like, he's a man. And the only thing he can say is, you're Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, and that was too, like, and then everyone uh, rallied for him, you know, to, to help him and to get him yep. out of there. So it should have and hopefully been a kind of transformative experience for him. And that's the thing, I guess we're just supposed to take that it was. We don't know, because we don't get that. I mean, we get to the wedding. Yeah. You know, they get out, they get in the car, he does the whole meet me at Palm and whatever. <laughs> Not, Not for, for a million, million bucks, bucks, lady. <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, damn, you would you would forgive <clears throat> a million bucks for maybe a one-time thing? <laughs> Crazy. But, yeah. you know, he must have got fired. Oh, had to. Like it, it makes you wonder with him still saying that, meet me at this as the driver, he probably still wasn't picking up that this guy was selling him out. Yeah. Like, you know, so I don't know. Oh, and then, you know, the crazy thing I just was thinking, speaking of the driver, they drove all the way from, oh my God. Ohio. 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 Somewhere in Ohio. All the way down to Miami, basically. And then she was like, why can't we take a plane? And he's like, no, because then press would be all over that or something i'm like that's a long trip from driving from ohio to oh that's well they also i mean i know there's a lot of people driver. that do it too but 
So well, that's and, a long drive. And you remember at one point they showed the driver sleeping and Gene Hatman's driving himself yeah. going. So to make sure they don't stop. So they're 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 switching out to get this trip done. Cause yeah, that's a long trip from where we're at and Ohio's even further up. So Exactly. exactly. I don't know that they're getting there that night by six o'clock unless they leave at like two o'clock in the morning, maybe. I don't know. Like it's gonna take a while. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, just even, like, we live here in Charlotte, me and Chad, and that's, I think, it's like, I think it's like eight hours to get just to even Orlando. Yeah, it's like an eight-hour drive just to Orlando. And it's like another, I don't forget how many hours it is. I know, just to get to Miami. Miami. I would think another four or five. Exactly. I, think it's about that. I think it's about four or five hours, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know what? F that. But, you know, we drove from here to uh, Chicago. That was like, what, a 13-hour drive, something like that? Yeah, I guess so. I it mean, was long. We went to... And hell, even from here to New Orleans is like Ooh, a whole drive. Oh, my too. God, yeah. I don't know why, but I felt like that one was the worst drive. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so, yeah. I learned, though, I learned that when driving from New Orleans to here or vice versa, travel through the night. That's the best time to do it. <clears throat> anyway, I digress. Yeah, Go I ahead, Josh. Sorry. I see that being the case. But yeah, they get out. Then we cut to they're all in the wedding, and then you get people Bob in the right. Like, all is gorgeous. And then you get the old <laughs> Bob Dole's gorgeous. <laughs> and then the old conservative, like, which one's the mother? I just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and that's the bride. Yeah. Yes, Albie cannot contain himself, <laughs> crying yeah. all over the place. <laughs> all right, and that's gonna I feel wrap like that up. Would the... be Josh too when his kids get married. No, no, I don't think so. I think I'm gonna disappoint <laughs> you if you think that when your girls get married. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> I think I'm gonna disappoint a lot of people in that one then. <laughs> <laughs> Josh has no Josh has no sympathy, especially for Mrs. Coleman. <laughs> I definitely would not. I would definitely not be the poor Mrs. Coleman. She's just a small town girl. She's just so vulnerable. No. I'm not. <laughs> oh. All right. Oh, so that's that, the end. Oh, of- speaking of which, before you do that, the one scene, uh, one thing that popped in my head, the dinner scene. No, was it dinner? I think it was. Or she said, like, oh, this is what I love. A big, happy family getting together for dinner. Everyone is <laughs> at home and speaking English. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she just, that's the great thing about Nathan Lane. He brought up all those things that, yeah, you know, socially, a lot of the conservatives, like conservatives would say, yeah. Would say, yeah. It was so yeah. perfect. Such great yeah. comedy, yeah. Yeah, great, great thing, writing from like, Elaine May. We should say that. Great, great writing yeah, from Elaine May. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, you know, like Absolutely. in the, you know, almost 30 years that the movie's been out, like, you know, you could tell conservatives still have the same fucking talking points. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, all these decades later. Which is pretty sad, but yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's the end of the actual movie. So before we get into our ratings, let's go to what our listeners thought. Woo! Listener comment. Mail, motherfucker! 
All right, so first we'll start off with, this is a new one. It's it's almost garbage pod, but it's got a T in the middle. Garbage, garbage pod. <laughs> Sorry if garbage I'm saying that wrong. Garbage tea pod. Well, no, it's got a T in the middle of gar of the word garbage. That's why I'm, yeah, it's garbage. So if I'm saying that wrong, sorry. But they say, ah, can't say Canadian style. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They say, ah, can't wait for this one. So many stellar performances in this movie. But the thing I always picture is Hank Azaria wearing shoes for the first time and falling flat on his face coming out of the kitchen. That was hilarious. You don't think about the part where. Agador's wearing the thongs on the porch and singing cleaning the pool. Well, we know what Chris thinks about first. <laughs> I mean, hey, Hank Azaria had a good looking body in that movie, I have to say. And he so. did. He did. This is a new one, and if I say this last name wrong, sorry. Trish oh, Wurzen. Wurzen? Yeah. Says. Ten lashes, Josh, for mispronouncing that name. <laughs> well, Sorry, Trish. She says, oh yeah, one of our favorite movies in this house. We know every word. I feel you. Same. And then Same. <laughs> Tencent takes us. Okay. But this is very important content for Pride Month. Yeah, I mean, I'd say so. I mean, it is. I mean, it's a comedy movie, but there are some very, um, you know, important messages in the movie. And relevant topics that, that are still even around today. Yep. But someone you were talking with earlier, Chris, uh, Wiz from Capital Game says, it's funny, we reviewed this movie on our podcast, which will be up soon. Might be up by the time you hear this. So, great movie, but I absolutely couldn't fucking stand the sun in this movie. So, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I think everyone can say they were irritated with Val. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's pretty easy, especially looking at it now through an adult lens. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of... Well, and then, especially nowadays, because, again, socially things are a little different. But yeah, that, That's true, too. You know, we, however, on the other hand, we wouldn't also have a story if we didn't have <laughs> some of the messiness. That's true. That's fair. I mean, you're right. That is what the story is based around. So, you got to get there somehow. So, my, my biggest problem is that he does the one little thing at the end, and then all is forgiven. And I'm like, <laughs> not enough. Not enough. Josh holds a grudge. (laughs) (laughs) Val is not forgiven. Not right now. Josh is related to one of them Hatfields. (laughs) Hatfields and McCoys. (laughs) Exactly. I'll hold this for years. Generations to come. I'll pass this down the lineage. Do not forgive (laughs) Val. I have to say, that's one thing us mountain men and and low country men do well. We hold grudges really well. (laughs) Oh, man. Crazy. That and holding a grudge. (laughs) Chuck from the Chuck and Ruck Go to the Movies podcast says, This is such a funny movie. I remember my mom letting me watch this movie at an inappropriate age, but I fell in love with it instantly. It has become one of those funny, feel-good movies I turn to when I need a laugh or a thousand laughs. So, Chris, I think you you can attest to that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it, Chris. I watched this movie and I turned gay. (laughs) I'm at the thousand laughs, Chad. (laughs) Thank you, Blanche. (laughs) The In Film We Trust podcast says, Not seen it in years, but remember loving it. It's one of those rare movies where Robin Williams, for the most part, gives one of the most restrained performances. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's like you said, too, he plays the straight man in this in a way. And 
<laughs> That's I know, right? <laughs> no pun intended. And so, <laughs> but it's still funny. At you know, still Robin Williams comedic funny, if that makes sense. So he does a, a superb job in this one, and he definitely lets his other castmates shine very well in this one. I agree. Big Nick from the gag on this podcast, he just does a quote. Well, one does need a bit of color, which of course that's the scene where (laughs) Albie's trying to be the uncle and has the like purple socks. I don't know, pink. They were they were pink. They were pink pink socks. You're right. They weren't just pink. They were pink. They were pink. (laughs) (laughs) So this one, you guys, I don't know. You're gonna might have to help me with this. Scott from Shoot the Flick. He says, "I always used to get this and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels mixed up, but both are very good movies." Now I've never seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, so I don't know if this is a movie to mix it up with. I yeah, like I don't. You know, I actually have the movie, but I have not seen it yet. Oh, okay. So So, I can't comment on that. Waste of money, Chris. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't say that. I have a ton of movies that I haven't watched. Sean, who you recently heard on my seven episode, he says pretty funny movie, and Hank Azaria was really good in a supporting role. And he put a gif of the whole Robin Williams men smear. (laughs) (laughs) Hank Azaria was amazing in this movie. There's no question about it. Justin, who sometimes does guest hosting on the Film Effect podcast, says, I've never watched the whole thing. I'm not a big fan of farces, so I think that's why I never got into it. My wife puts it on occasionally, and I'll half watch and read at the same time. From what I've seen, it seems okay. And I'll say, Justin, go ahead and give it a listen. It's it's worth it, well worth your time. I, I definitely think you'll come away laughing and give it your full attention. And this is coming <laughs> from a fellow straight man. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, Ed from Film Effect. We, me, Ed, and Justin have had this thing going on with Exorcist Two, and he's like, "I mean, it's no Exorcist Two because Justin really loves Exorcist Two. Okay, yeah, that was fun. Okay, yeah, yeah, I saw that GIF on there too on Twitter. Yeah, where he said nothing is and put the gift. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he he sidebar for whatever reason, but he recently watched Exorcist Three and didn't like it. And he oh rather, my god, crush my heart. Okay. Yeah, that's what me and Ed were saying. Like, what? Wait a minute, because he rated it, I think, one and a half stars on Letterbox or something. Boo. Yeah. Boo. And then he went. We went. So we've been on this thing for Exorcist two, probably for a month now, <laughs> where we talk about, <laughs> about this. That explains a lot. But I was like, wait, yes. how did Exorcist two come to the birdcage? That, that, yeah. That's why I figured I'd put that. I just still thought it was funny. That's why I figured I'd put that in there so you guys understood why that was there. Because I know you look through the stuff, Chris. <laughs> Back to the birdcage. Huh. Darren from the Nostalgia Cast says, This movie is such a joy, so good-natured and funny. William's taking a backseat to Lane and Azaria, who steals every scene that he's in. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he had his, his co-stars who let him shine. But Robin Williams also shined really well in like. They're, them as a couple, him and Nathan Lane in this movie, were brilliant together. They just, mm-hmm. you really felt like they had an honest, genuine relationship connection. Like they, you know, like they were just meant to be or something. It was so good. It was believable. So Tencent Takes responds 
they had quote tweeted it, now they responded, and this is interesting, because they say, Val and Barbara are the true villains of the film. Discuss. <laughs> and then they, they put up a gif of, uh, oh my god, the Mike Myers character, Chris. Oh yeah, Linda Richmond. Linda Richmond, thank you. Goodness, like, yeah. I'm pilling a bit for Clint. That one, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I've I already talked about Val. I so. love that. Uh, was it, they're the true antagonists of the film? Or right. True villains of the film? And it's like, and then that gift shows up, and it's like talk amongst yourselves. So, exactly. Yeah. Oh so my god, I, that was that was good. I like that comment, guys. That was good. I've already made it clear my thoughts on Val and Chad. I think you were gone when I said to Chris. I said I wish there was like for Val growing up in this family. I wish there was like a scene of Barbara saying, "Hey, my family's like this. If we're gonna do this, you probably need to." Say something because I feel like she had to have a hand in this. So I get what they're saying with mm. the Val and Barbara both did. The oh, I, bet they, I think they both did. Like I think Val had his apprehensions too. I think he was just like, "Oh shit, he's a senator. Um, I need to change my family's outlook too." You know, or you know what? Well, not want to say yeah. change their outlook. That's not the right word, but change the aesthetic, if you will, in order to try to please these in-laws. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we agree. And then Wiz from that Capital Games game, he jumps back in. Yo, I fucking hated Val so much in this movie. It's- <laughs> <laughs> See, we're on the same level. We're on the same level. <laughs> He's like, it's crazy seeing this in today's eyes. When I saw it in '96, I thought nothing of it. He was, hey, he was 13 at the time too, Chris. So there you go. Right. Like, same now, age. Yeah. It's like it was hard for me to sympathize with the character that straight up asked a father who loves him to basically hide who he is. Which... Yeah, because you know what? I think even what was a really touching scene in a way um, as the viewer was that part where he was like, Pop, it's not just this thing that's got to change. It's everything. And he's like pointing to the Neptune statue. He points to the, the painting on the wall. He's like, the Kirby? That's art. And <laughs> You know, then the little statue that had, you know, the erection there, and he yeah. turns it around, and then he wipes his fingers on his dad's cheek, and then wipes it on the wall. Obviously, I'm smack him for doing that. That his dad wears foundation, and his dad's like, "Yes, I wear foundation, and yes, I live with a man, and yes, I'm a middle-aged fag, but it took me 30 years to be honest with myself." Basically, is what he was saying. Right. That was, you know, that was really, I don't know, to me that was a really powerful moment. No, I agree. I would have probably See? smacked Val if he wiped my face and wiped it on my wall. I'm like, you ass. <laughs> and messed up my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but for real, I was like, shit, that's, that's really good. Because he worked really hard to be where he's at. There's no question about it. All right, so Jen S. says, your money's on the dresser, chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, She also adds, Gene Hatman climbing out the window to avoid the press, getting caught, and nonchalantly answering questions like he planned it was peak Hackman. Going back to that one comment, too, about the money's on the dresser, chocolate. Yeah, this is the same person. I I want to sit there and say, um, well, I thought he looked kind of funny, but I didn't say anything. (laughs) Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Richie and Wes. Uh, yeah. uh, 
Michigan West says, A movie about a flamboyant gay couple forced to hide their sexuality and Jewish heritage to appease a conservative senator. Queer stereotypes serve as a satire of heteronormative standards. A brilliant take on political morality that's still relevant. A-plus performances. Iconic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Because it's still something that, unfortunately, is a big thing today as well. Um, it's amazing how some things have never changed. But right. yet, you know, things have also changed dramatically, too, since 1996. So it's pretty crazy. Yep. The Nerdy Photographer says, So many great performances and puts up a gif of Robin Williams doing the Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. <laughs> great scene. Love it. Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. Martha Graham, Martha Graham. <laughs> Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. That was Josh's favorite dance right there. You know that. Uh, Wayne from the Recasted Podcast says, I love the Birdcage. Though they do play the stereotypes for a few laughs a couple of times, any role that Robin Williams portrays is full of warmth and heart. Nathan Lane was fantastic, but I think my favorite character was Hank Azaria as Agador. Yeah. Hey, God bless Agador. He was Agador's so, and Josh, you're right. Like every every scene that he was in, <clears throat> he was memorable. Yep. <laughs> Abs. Talk about someone that knew how to play their role with whatever screen time they have, and still leave a, a mark on your mind. You, you can still sit there and remember so many scenes with his character. So, right. Yeah. Which I, I think my favorite was when he's supposed to be, he's in the shoes, he's, he's trying to be the, the normal straight <laughs> butler, and they're doing the song, and he just busts through the door and starts singing yeah. it with him. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorite ones, too, is from the beginning, where he's singing Gloria Estefan. Fun, yes, yeah. And he's got, like, you know, one of the the big wigs, you know, the, the great wigs and stuff like that. And then um, Robin's like, where are you supposed to be? And he's like, oh, I'm a combination of Lucy and Ricky. Right. And then he's like, well, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chad, I think one of his favorite ones too, was like, why won't you let me go on the stage? He's like, where are you afraid of my Guatemalanes? And he's like, what? My Guatemalanes, my natural heat. Is that right, Chad? Would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your favorite? Well, one of my favorites. Okay. Sissy. That's why I always tell people, I always tell people they're afraid of my natural heat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I think I have heard you say that. Now I know where it's from. I'm like the, the deadly Jimson weed. I can entice with my scent, but provide no suckle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sissy J says, this has always been a favorite of mine. Nathan Lane and Robin Williams just had great chemistry in this film. And Gene had a yes. dang. Especially when they were sneaking out at the end. Overall, just a good laugh fest. Yep, yeah. I have to agree. Indeed. That yeah. pretty much sums up the movie. The Reels of Justice podcast says, terrific movie. Make sure to watch My Cage Off Old 2 if you can. So we talked about that. We haven't seen yeah. that. So I want to. I, I do want to see the whole thing. My buddy Pete from Middle Class Film Class says, I never get tired of the birdcage. It's having fun with the gay community without making fun of it. This is what I think of when I think Hank Azaria. Robin Williams is strong, but it's the Nathan Lane show all day. Also, the copter opening shot is unnecessarily good. And that was shot you were it talking is. about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that opening shot. Yeah, it's really good. It reminds me of, um, you know, like the... <clears throat> The um, I know what you did last summer opening shot where it's coming in off the coast. 
Oh. <laughs> well, I feel like, too, that opening just it starts to get you in the mood for the movie. Mm-hmm. And that whole take puts you into that whole world there. And you're so you're in mm-hmm. for a great comedy fest. And that's going to hit on some heavy topics, of course. But it's not going to be overwhelming in that regard. You're going to... I don't know. You just enjoy the ride with all the characters. All of them. You know, it's, even from like, they were both politically extreme, if you will, but somehow they just meshed really well in this story. Marie in Connecticut responded to Pete just saying, agreed on all counts. Loved the opening shot and Nathan Lane was hilarious. The Straight Out of Context podcast, I guess there's a podcast, Straight Out of Context, I'm not sure if they're a podcast, says, ah, the Piran tablets, which of course we talked about. (laughs) Well, Chad doesn't know how he gets by, too, at work without his Piran tablets. Yeah. (laughs) That's what you use, Chad? That makes sense. One before and one after, but no more. No more. Don't ever do it. Oh, Trish Burson re- responded again, saying, One of our favorite movies is just pure heart. Shows that family is what you make it, and you just have to be yourself. That's you right. laugh, and we are all human. Love is love, and shame dies when we open our hearts and really see each other. Well put, Amen. Trish. Amen. Yep, very well put. Well, my buddy Carlo from the Movie Loop says, Haven't seen this since the 90s, but I remember enjoying it, especially William's performance. I did see the original. Like Cage off Wolves last year and had fun with it as well. And threw in his, I guess he gave it three stars on Letterboxd. So threw in his review. If you want to go read that, check out our Twitter page. Well, wait, he, he said he hasn't seen it since the 90s? Yeah, he hasn't watched, went back and watched this one since the 90s. So, Carlo, I definitely suggest you go give it a rewatch. Yes, definitely, because, oh man, if you go see ahead. it now compared to the 90s, you're your viewpoint will probably be very different. Yeah, you, I think you'll, you'll have a lot of fun with it. Definitely do that. Yeah. Kelly Kelly Madden from the Drunk Theory Podcast says, I've actually never seen it all the way through. I'm adding it to my watch <gasps> list now. Yep. Do it. Do it. Watch it now. <laughs> Pete responded to her saying, it never failed to cheer me up. Which, hey, I, I can see that. I can see that. All right. Our buddy Peter. I love getting him in. He's always got something good to say. <laughs> Although the one time Chad responded, "Well, well, Pete," I can't remember what. Well, <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but I remember Chad doing that. Yep. <laughs> but it's a Golden Girls reference too. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> but Peter says, "I love Mike Nichols and Elaine May from Back to Their Stand Up Comedy Days. So seeing them work together is great." Williams role oh, yeah. is. I was going to say, yeah, Mike Nichols. Got to give him a lot of credit, too. Great director. He did a lot of well-known movies. You're right. We didn't talk about that at all. Yeah. Uh, We got to give him his credit. That's true. William's role is interesting because for once, he's the straight man, pun intended, to his (laughs) co-star. A hilarious lane. I feel like, too, this is a movie that really, I think, was a star maker for nathan lane because i don't i cannot recall ever really seeing nathan lane before this movie even as a kid so if it wasn't for the birdcage i would not have known nathan lane and this one was i think well newest boys yeah well yeah that's true lion king lion king and stuff right but 
really seeing him on the screen and his performance like this was really a, a big one for him so yeah Peter continues, he's talking about Robin Williams, he's usually more antic. He says, a great snapshot of mainstream Hollywood's ideas of queerness in the mid-90s. Brings important questions of queer stories being told by street folks. I still struggle with that as I watch the film. Still, Nichols, May, Williams, Lane, and a fab Christine Baranski are comedy geniuses. Yeah. He's one of the few who didn't bring up Hank Azaria. So I wonder, Peter, if you're, well, if you're listening, reach out and tell me, if, did you like Hank Azaria? I hope you still at least like <laughs> Hank Azaria. I'm sure. I mean, the thing is, like, I see where some people say, oh, this may make fun of stereotypes in a way, but then that's also making fun of stereotypes of conservatives, too, right? Of, you know, oh, yeah. The Republicans as well, um, and taking them to a kind of nth degree. But on the other hand, and I know this is probably going to sound pretty, I don't know if it's going to sound bad or anything, but stereotypes, they, they're out there. But I think this movie is not trying to hurt stereotypes. Does that make sense? It's not trying to use that as like, this is the focus. Not at all. The focus is really around these people trying to be true to who they are and trying to bring a family together. You know, no, that's very fair. ultimately they care for their kids. They love their kids and they want to do what's right for their kids. So it shows a common bond. Brooks says, brilliant film. Mike Nichols is in my top three favorite directors. His minimalist approach works so well with Williams and Lane being with Williams and Lane being so active and fun in this film. Add Hackman and Weist on top of that. And it's pure genius. It's yeah. chef's kiss. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Film Shake. Obviously, this is Nick from Film Shake Podcast. As my entire very conservative family watched this on vacation in 1997, right after it hit VHS, everyone oh, wow. laughed their asses off. Very fun film. Ah, there you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, it's one of those. It's a feel-good film, and you know, maybe hopefully also change some people's minds as well, or change their hearts a little bit. And then Ed from the Film Effect Podcast says, I saw this in the theater with my mom and grandmother back in 96. To this day, it's my favorite Robin Williams film. It never gets Aww. old. It still holds up today, and it's guaranteed to make you laugh throughout. A very faithful remake that, in some elements, I find to be even better. So I just can't comment on the, on the remake status yeah. of it, but... Yeah, so that's everyone. As you mentioned earlier, Chris got lots of comments, so thank this you everyone for participating. Yeah, yeah. And this it told it. I I don't know. I guess I just didn't know how. Even myself, I didn't know how powerful of an outreach the film had and still holds today. So I, I mean, I know we only got like really the tip of the iceberg, if you ask me. But that was that's a lot of responses to. Yeah, I mean, this is two good weeks in a row, because I'm not going to lie, I, I figured this one would get a pretty good response rate. Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how many responses we got to the road last week. That was surprising for me, but <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for it. I'm here for it. I love getting all the interaction with everyone. So we've gotten their thoughts. Now it's time for ours. I guess since I'm the, the only one that's seen this for the first time, <laughs> I'll go first and give my rating. So, hmm. Obviously, when I rate on Letterboxd, I don't put a rating up at first. Because, in fact, I don't know if you saw this, but 
I always oh, do my yeah. weekly. I do my weekly letterbox what I watch and stuff. Yeah. And someone saw that I didn't rate the birdcage, and they were I like, "I saw that." Yeah, I thought the same thing too. I was like, "Wait, did he not put a rating there?" Yeah. Yeah, they were like zero stars there. for the bird. I put a heart, but when you put the recent activity, it doesn't show the heart. Oh, so I see. The person's like zero stars for the birdcage, and I was like, "No, no, I just don't rate them because we're going to be reviewing it on the show." <laughs> it's definitely not a zero star movie. <sighs> so, I'm going. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the big one for you. I'm hoping you'll rate a, a big fat five. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> well, okay. I'm curious to see where you guys stand because I checked to see where you guys had this on Letterboxd, and neither of you had it at five. So I will challenge you both on that. I looked when I rated this, and you guys did not yeah, have I think it at I've, five. Yeah, you might have changed it. it. You might have yeah. updated it, but. I'm going, you'll probably go fives and that's fine. I'm going with what you had it on Letterboxd because, yes, you're not supposed to like Val, but his redemption story isn't enough for me. I don't think Gene Hatman's redemption story is enough for me. So I'm, I'm not driving it far. Don't get me wrong. I still, I will watch this movie. I love this movie. This movie is hilarious. Chad, you were right. You'll be glad. You said I'd be glad you brought it to me. I am glad you brought it to me. So I gave this movie four stars. It's it's good. And maybe it'll go up as I watch it. Not even four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had it rated four on Letterbox, so don't come at me. Whoever, why don't you go next? Oh, go ahead, Chad. Yeah, I think I'll I think I'll stick with four four Purin tablets. Oh, there you go. I didn't oh, Chad, you crazy boy. Yep, just the Purin tablets, Chad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Four mm-hmm. is too many Purin tablets, Chad. One before, one after. I take two before and two after. Oh, okay. You're right. well, I'm, I'm, just, never mind. I'm a big boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, I, I mean, and you'll see this updated on my letterbox. <laughs> I give it four, four bird. I'm sorry, not four. I give it five bird cages. Five bird cages for the bird cage. <laughs> for the bird cage. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could do different things. Like, it could be like five, I don't know, five parrots out of five. Or well, honestly, five, if, I, if I was to or do five that. five drag queens out of five. If I was to do that, I would probably just give it four fussy, fussy, fussies. That was. There you go. There you go. Oh, five Madonnas, five Michael Kids. <laughs> <laughs> or five wigs, the best wigs. <laughs> There you go. Right. Or oh no, or the gold toothbrush. Oh goodness. <laughs> Los copos. Yep. Or five palimonies. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. As Chris said, there was so much stuff we didn't There's even get so into. Much. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> well, that's gonna wrap it up. I'll just tell everyone coming next week. I will be taking the week off. Chad and Chris are taking over hosting duties. They will be having. Alan and Will, the guys for the creators of the Pocus Hocus, Pocus Hocus, I'm saying it right, comic, coming back to talk about their Kickstarter, and also we'll be discussing the recent, somewhat recent Best Picture winner, Parasite, so you can look forward to these guys next week, coming at you. (laughs) Poor Josh, missing out again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. But... That wraps it up. Guys, tell them everyone where they can find you. Chad, you know what you're doing, so you can go first. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, the Tweety Box, and Letterboxd uh, at Green Screen Grin. 
Very simple, right? And also, don't forget to, when you see Chad or go to any of the social media pages, put hashtag hot Chad. <laughs> your, buddy, your buddy Jeff did that one time. I won't, uh, I won't object to it. That's right. And then right. for me, you can find me on Instagram at xtofer of Oz. And on Tweety, you can find me at CBC Monkey. And on Letterboxd, just go to Joshua Chad's page and you can find me as one of their friends. Hey, it's brand. It's brand. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite of brand, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I know your brand. You know, when you brought up the hot Chad comment, it reminded me of a time when I was out in California and I was I was walking um, down. Uh, I think I was walking down Geary Boulevard or yeah, Geary Boulevard or Geary Street. I can't remember if it was Boulevard or Street, but anyway. <clears throat> I was walking and like this car of like four girls like stopped at this intersection and like the like these two girls poked their head out the window and one of them yelled at me they're like hey you're really hot hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, there you go. i was like and i was looking around because i was like is she looking at me or is she looking at the guy behind me like what's going on and there was nobody behind me i was like uh what do i say in this instance <laughs> it's so awkward it was awkward as fuck is what it was the only time in my life that that ever happened you you either just say thank you or you say i know that's right i went with the i went with the latter i was like oh yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) that's all you said was okay i thought i I honestly thought chad was gonna sit there and go i don't know (laughs) anyway i digress all right josh where can they find you yeah as always the best place just twitter that's where you'll get all the interactions that's where you'll get the polls we didn't mention we're not doing a poll for next month so stay tuned on twitter to see when the next poll is i can't say for sure when that's going to be yet but easiest thing to do go to linktr.ee slash ynf movie pot it'll have social media podcast platforms my letterbox the youtube channel all that good stuff everything to find your way to josh's heart all in one place there all in one place you can find me and that'll wrap this one up. You'll come back next week and listen to these guys talk with about Parasite. Until then, you guys take care, and I'll talk to you next time. I'll come back here. <laughs> <laughs>